We have come to the end of a study on the book of Ephesians, a really powerful letter written to believers to know how to live in Christ. And as sort of a recap, what, what the book of Ephesians does, the first three chapters tells us the richness of who God is and what he's done for us through the cross and the resurrection of Christ. And that means our identity is found in him. And so for three chapters, it's theological and it's rich. Who God is, who we are in Christ. And then in chapter four, it flips the switch and it's all about how we live based on who we are. Because we become what we believe. And if we can get the belief part right, we can get the become part better and better. And so that was God's intention, really our intention of teaching through this. And he kind of finishes the whole thing up in chapter 6. And he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And when Paul says finally, it's like when a lot of pe- pe- pre- yeah. porky pig says pe- pe- pe. When a lot of pastors say finally, and they go on for another 30 minutes, right? Well, that's what Paul does here. He says finally, and then he goes on for like 20 more verses. And he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. I'm thinking, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to be strong in God and strong in faith and see those things fleshed out in their life? Does anybody here pray, hey, God, I hope you give me like two good months of backsliding coming up. That'd be awesome. Or man, it sure would be good to tank my relationships. God, it'd be kind of cool if the devil kicked me around a little bit. Worry and doubt and fear. Um, man, I wish I had some more bad habits. The start of the new year, God, man, I'm just kind of hoping for some bad habits to surface in my life. Nobody. We all want to be strong in our faith. And can I tell you that we can a faith where we're strong in the Lord and the power of his might, where our fears are no match for our faith, where temptations are consistently defeated in our life, where we embody a joy regardless of what's going on in our life and the circumstances that there's a peace and a joy that can't be taken from our soul, a place where we gladly and willingly sacrifice for the kingdom of God and for other people. A faith where we are bold for him and we demonstrate and communicate our faith to the people around us. Guys, I'm not exaggerating exaggerating at all when I say this is exactly the kind of life God intends for each one of us to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. It's how God intends all of us to live. And so this passage here we're going to look at, the end of Ephesians is how do we live that way? How do we live strong in the Lord and the power of his might? And so we're going to look at how to live God strong. You guys seen those t-shirts? They're like army strong. Those are kind of cool, right? Bulldog strong. Too soon. That would have gone a lot better if the game would have changed differently, okay? God strong. How do we live God strong in our lives? And so that's what the passage talks about. He says this. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. If you and I are going to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, the first thing we need to recognize is recognize that we're in a fight. 
We're in a fight. He says, put on the armor because you're going to battle. We're commanded to do that. It's a fight. Listen, it is a fight for our very lives and our well-being. It is a fight for our families. It is a fight for this church. It is a fight for our community and the lives of people all around us. We are in a battle. That there's two kingdoms that are opposed to each other and they are waging war against one another. And we forget that so often because it's invisible, but it doesn't mean it isn't real. There's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness and they are doing battle. And whether you like it or not, you're in the middle of it. You're in the middle of it. But I want you to listen very closely. If you are in Christ, you are not in that battle as a refugee or a victim. If you are in Christ, you've been placed in the middle of that battle as a participant and a warrior in the army of the living God. And he says, I want you to go to war. I want you to put on your armor. I want you to recognize that you're in a fight. Because if you know that you're in a fight, you get your dukes up, right? You don't have to be Rocky Balboa to know this move right here. You put your dukes up. If you, if you don't know in your you're in a fight and all of a sudden you're in a fight, that means you got sucker punched somewhere, right? Nobody likes getting sucker punched. Let me just ask you, does that describe your life? You start getting, gaining ground and you start getting momentum and then it just seems like out of nowhere, boom, you get knocked to the turf. And you get up and you're trying to do the right thing and you're trying to make progress and then boom, Spiritually, relationally, emotionally, ethically, you get wiped out. It might be because you're getting sucker punched and not even realizing there's this battle raging around you. So we've got to get our dukes up. There's an enemy swinging for you. I don't know if you realize this. And his, his only objective in your life and in my life is to steal and to kill and to destroy. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants, to, um, he wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill your character. He wants to destroy your relationships. And every single turn of your life, he's trying to undermine your faith. If I can get them to doubt, if I can get them to have fear, if I can get them to wonder, if I can get them to quit, if I can get them to call out, if I can get them to some way, somehow lose steam, I've won. That's what he's trying to do. Uh, Monica Reams, who's here today, uh, she gave me a flyer some months ago, and it was pretty shocking. She said, just down the road at UNG, the, the Gainesville campus, there's flyers and there's signs for the Atheist Club. Atheist Club. You're thinking, right down the road here, they're trying to get kids, young people, who are just entering that exploring part of their life and trying to get in in that critical moment and cause them to doubt. Guys, that's by design. The enemy is lurking and trying to find someone to deceive. So not only do we got to recognize we're in a fight, we got to recognize who our enemy and remember that our enemy and who the real enemy actually is. He said, listen, you take your stand against the devil's steam. Your fight is not against flesh and blood. It's not against the people you see. It's not your neighbor. Your neighbor's not your enemy. It's not your spouse. Repeat this with me. My spouse is not my enemy. Every marriage talk I do, I say that because my wife has had to say that over again. It's not that I'm trying to do dumb things. I'm just dumb. That explains a lot. 
The, the person you're in competition with is not your enemy. The person who's offended you is not your enemy. The people running the atheist club at the UNG campus in Gainesville are not our enemies, are they? There's a deeper underlying enemy that's causing the evil around us, that is causing the doubt, that is causing the fear, that is causing the pain and the hurt that we see and the suffering in our world. The ultimate enemy is Satan himself. And we can stand up to him. He says, put on the armor of God. He comes at us with schemes. I don't know if you saw that word. He has schemes. It's crafty attacks. Rarely, rarely, rarely does he come at you full frontal attack and reveal himself for who he is, does he? He doesn't come at you when you're strong. He doesn't come at you when you're refreshed and rested. He likes to find your weaknesses and the moments of doubt and the moments that you're not rested and you're hungry and you're weary and relationships are going great. And that's when he decides to attack. So we've got to be weary and ready for that enemy. We've got to understand he'll blend lies with truth and he'll try to make his way seem like the best way and his path like the best path and it's so alluring and yet it's terribly wrong. That's our enemy. I don't know about you, but I want to, I want to live to make his most wanted list. Wouldn't you love it when you wake up in the morning and say, oh gosh, they're up again. That guy's a troublemaker. Man, she's causing all kinds of problems for me. That's what it means to be a warrior in the army of God. Well, I want to tell you something, though. Our enemy's powerful, but he's not all that powerful. He's one creature. He's only one creature. He was a created being. God made him, and he fell from God's graces, and he's rebelled against the living God. So he's only in one place at one time. So it's not always the devil that made you do it. But I do want you to see something. He says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but listen to this, but against the rulers, authorities, powers, and spiritual forces of evil. So Satan has his minions, he has his other uh, beings working with him, and he's utilizing them in our lives to try to create chaos and doubt and fear and evil among us. You see that? That's what he's using against us. With all those spirits and all those powers and all those schemes, he doesn't stand a chance. That if you and I put on the armor that God intended us to put on, we can't lose. I need you to hear that today. That no matter what comes against you, the enemy cannot prevail if you and I stand strong in the Lord and the power of his might because he's going to come for you and he's going to come for your kids and he's going to come for your family and he's going to come for your heart and you've got to be ready to stand in that evil day. So he shows us how to stand. Look at this. He says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with a breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You guys ever had a dream where you're at work, you're at school, you're giving a speech, and you're naked? Come on, anybody? Okay, two, three honest people. You've all had that dream. You know you have. And that is the most awkward, embarrassing thing in your life. It's horrible. 
Can I tell you what? It is, it is terrible to be unclothed when you need to be clothed. Can I tell you, in chapter 4 of Ephesians, he said, remember that old nature stuff, that sinful nature that loves to rebel and loves to do its own thing and loves sin? He said, take off that old nature. It was an analogy of clothing. Take off that clothing and then put on the clothing of the new nature that loves God and loves holiness and loves righteousness and loves God's word and loves God's people. He's saying, take off the old, put on the new clothes, and then over top of that, you put on this armor that you can be protected because cloth doesn't protect us that much, but plate mail does. When the enemy comes against us, we've got to be found in this armor he describes right here. And so let's look at each one of these. He says, first of all, be clothed with the belt of truth. Belt Really? That's our big armor? is a belt. That doesn't sound that impressive to me. How about you? They're good for keeping your pants up. Unless you're Cassidy and you wear suspenders. <laughs> Not lying. Belt. He says belt of truth. That doesn't sound that all impressive, but to a Roman soldier, their belt was central. And here's why. They would wear long robes in their everyday life. And when they went to war, they would hike those robes up, get it in their belt, and cinch it in place so that they would not trip and stumble in the day of battle. And that belt was the central piece that all the other armor we're going to read about clipped to. And if they're going to be fully dressed for armor, for battle, it started with this belt. And it's called in this passage, the belt of truth. That belt held everything together in their defense. Guys, guess what? The truth of the living God is the foundation for our defense against the enemy's attack. Jesus called Satan the father of lies. It's his native tongue. That's all he does. And all in your head, he's whispering lie after lie after lie. He's trying to get you and I to believe lies about who God is. He's trying to get you and I to believe lives about who we are and who other people are and what circumstances mean. And all through our lives, he's desperately trying to get us to believe his lies. And so God says, you got to start with the truth. This is more true than the newspaper that came out today. The truths of the living God are more true than the thoughts that are running through your head and my head. The truth of the living God is the foundation for everything else. It's the truth of God. That should change and, and, and inform our thinking. Because you know what? Thoughts develop actions. And actions create habits. And habits determine our destiny. Don't they? Don't they? And if we are basing our thinking on lies, then our destiny is going to be destruction. But if we're basing our lives on the truth of the living God, our destiny is to be a warrior victorious in the army of the living God. So he says, put on this belt of truth. Get this truth in you. Get to know this truth. Call on this truth. Believe this truth. Don't let your thoughts be based on the lies he's telling you. That you and I could identify the lies that are coming at us from culture, from our own head, from the enemy. And we'll expose them for what they are and believe the truth instead. That's what putting on the belt is all about. That prayer sounds like this. In fact, first of all, so the, the point here is to focus your thoughts on the truth of God. That's the, that's the actionable item. You and I put our, the, our thoughts on his word. We put, we put cards out to memorize God's word. We read his word. We get engrossed and ingrained with the word of God. 
And our prayer might be, God, I, I want to seek out your truth today. God, help me see the enemy's lies for what they are. God, help me to see truth from lie and only listen to the truth and only speak the truth and only live by your truth. That's the belt of truth. Then he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. You put on a breastplate, what are we covering? This part. The part that hurts after Thanksgiving, right here. <laughs> That's the breastplate. It gets all the vital organs, right? And the most vital of those organs, organs would be our what? Our heart. Lungs are important too. We'll go with heart though. Heart. And in the biblical analogy, and every time it says the word heart in the Bible, it's not talking about your organ. It's talking about a place of passion. It's talking about a place of desire. It's talking about a place of feelings. And it's talking about the place of decision in your life, isn't it? And he's saying, listen, when you pray on, God, I want the breastplate of righteousness. What you're praying is, I want my heart to desire the things of you, God. I don't want to fall for the things of this earth. I don't want to fall for the things that don't matter. I don't want to give my heart to the things that won't satisfy. I want to be satisfied in you and you alone, God. Let you be my righteousness, God. I long for you. I want you. You are all I need. And so when we take on this breastplate of righteousness, it is the idea of fixing our desires on the things of God. And we make declarations like this. God, I'm not going to let my heart be led astray by jealousy. God, I'm not going to let my heart be given over to pride. God, please, by your strength, let me not fall into greed or lust or despair. That my heart's allegiance belongs to you and you alone. And I want nothing else, but I want you. That's what Paul meant. That's what God means when he says, take on the breastplate of righteousness. And you pray, God, I don't want what the world offers. Help me see them for filthy rags that they are. They are worthless. They are meaningless compared to the surpassing glory that is in Christ Jesus. And I want you to be my heart's desire today more than anything else. And if I have your love and your acceptance, I am satisfied fully and completely in you. That's the breastplate of righteousness. It prepares us, doesn't it? And when the enemy allures us with other things and says, make your heart go after this, make your heart go after that, but you said, no, my heart is secure in his righteousness, we will not want those things when the temptation comes. And then he says, fit your feet with the gospel of peace. Put your shoes on. And the word gospel means good news. Put, put good news on your feet. What does he mean by that? I've always thought of it simply to mean put on the good news of Jesus and what he's done and take that to other people. Get moving. And I think it means that, but I think it means more than that. Here's why. When a Roman soldier put on his shoes, it was a big deal. And they, they had sandals, but it wasn't like flip-flops. It wasn't like a crock that could slip in, slip out. Man, no, they had, they had sandals and that leather throng, would, they would wrap it around their leg multiple times and it would be secured, tied tight so that they had a firm foundation and they could withstand and, and have a firm footing to do battle in. Does that make sense? He's saying, listen, 
The firm foundation in your life is the gospel of Jesus, is the good news of Jesus Christ. You want a firm footing for every single day of your life. You go back to what Jesus has done for you and you preach the gospel to yourself. We just sang that in the last song. You preach the gospel to yourself. Man, I was lost. I had no part of the kingdom of God. I was a victim in this battle between kingdoms and yet Jesus intervened and came down and he made a way that the life and the forgiveness and the acceptance and the glory of the living God, I can know it and experience today and for eternity in heaven with him. And he did that for me. Praise God. And we go back in our foundation for living. You're never, you'll never get too mature for this. In fact, I believe maturity is found. When you go back to the gospel and you stand on Jesus, you stand on what he's done. One of my favorite psalms is he pulled me out of a slimy pit and he put my feet upon a solid ground. And you preach the gospel to yourself and that the foundation of your life. God, I thank you. The prayer sounds like this. God, I thank you for all you've done for me. God, I thank you that I was a sinner and destined for hell and you found me in that place and in no merit of my own, you rescued me by your, by your crucifixion and your resurrection. You made possible for me to have life and I rejoice in it today, God. I thank you for what you've done and I live my life in gratitude for all that you've got done for me and because I have you, I have everything. That's the gospel of peace. Romans 16, 20 says this, you will soon crush Satan under your feet. How cool is that? When you get the gospel of peace firmly planted on your feet, you'll stomp all over that joker. And these powers that come against you, you stomp on them with the gospel. You say, you might come against me and say I'm worthless, but the gospel says I have great worth. You might come against me with condemnation. I'm stomping on that with the truth that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see that, guys? Go back to the gospel. Preach it to ourselves. Thank God for it every single day. Then he says, take up the shield of faith. Take up the shield of faith. Now this, there's specific words in the New Testament for different shields. This is actually describing a Roman soldier's infantry shield. Anybody remember the first uh, scene from the movie Gladiator where the Romans are battling my ancestor, the, the German tribe? Yeah. Remember that? My, my uh, ancestor didn't do so good in that battle. But, uh, the Romans line up under these, behind these huge shields. They're four feet tall and they're two and a half feet wide. And I don't care how big of a boy you are. If there's arrows coming at you, you can get behind that. You can hide. And if you get in formation and you got some other brothers and sisters next to you and with you and in a small group and in a church where you belong and your family and you start lining up these shields, when the enemy would send volley after volley of flaming arrows against them, man, those shields in the front and the shields of the guy behind them would put the shield over their heads and they were protected. The enemy couldn't touch them because of the shield of faith. They were protected behind their shield. So let's talk about faith. What does it mean to have the shield of faith? Well, does that ever feel like your life where there's volley after volley of problems? Volley after volley. It doesn't just come in ones, does it? 
It comes in bunches. When the enemy tries to attack your health and tries to attack your relationships and tries to attack your marriage and tries to attack your finances and try to attack your spirit and your heart and your well-being. And he says, listen, no. When the waves of the enemy come, you stand by faith. And faith is simply this, that you believe God is who he says he is regardless of what your circumstances say. And you know a certain few things. You know God is good. And you know that he loves you. And he wants the best for you. And he's for you. And he's not against you. And he is who he says he is. We just sang that too. And faith is believing, man, God is good. Regardless of how much bad is going on around me. That I can trust God. Regardless of what my circumstances say. Regardless of what it looks like in this moment. That God has a path. And that even hardship can be used for his glory and good. That he can take the mess I'm in and use it for goodness. And faith says, God, regardless of all that, I trust you. You've proven yourself. You'll prove yourself again. And I believe it. I'm not going to waver in disbelief regarding the promises of God. But I'll be strengthened by my faith and give glory to God, fully know that he has a power to do what he has promised. That's faith. Faith trusts trust in the goodness of God. It trusts in the goodness of God, that he's always Good. And that prayer looks like, God, I know you're in control. Despite what I see, despite what I know is going on around me, despite what happens, you're still good. And I can trust you. I'm going to trust you. I believe you're able to make a way. And you'll work everything out for good for those who are love you and are called according to your purpose. That's faith. He says, if all else fails, get behind the shield of faith. If all else fails, say, God, I trust you, even though I don't understand what you're doing. God, I trust you. You're, you. You want what's best for me. And then he says, take on the helmet of salvation. Now, a helmet protects what? Your brain, right? Yeah, good. Yeah, your head, your brain's in there. He says, I want to protect your thinking. I want to protect your mind. I want to make sure you're thinking the right thoughts. And it means this. We can know and have a peace in our heart without a shadow of a doubt, 100% sure that we belong to God and he belongs to us. Do you, have that, do you have that assurance? Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that you are in the family of God and because I've asked Christ to forgive me and to lead my life that I have a sure foundation and I'll never be shaken? Man, the Bible's literally littered with verses like that. And I've memorized some, but my favorite right now is John 10, 28, and 29. Jesus says, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. And then it says, verse 29, and my Father is greater than I, and he's got, and uh, no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Listen here. If you're in Christ, you're, it's never about your grip on Jesus that gets you to heaven. It's his grip on you. It's his grip on you, and he's got you, and he's never going to let you go. And you can be 100% certain of that truth. Firmly believe that you are secure in Christ. 
Some of you have struggled. I struggled this for several years as a new Christian. It's time to put those doubts to bed and to rest and say goodbye to those doubts. If you said yes to Christ as the Savior and the leader of your life, then you can know without a shadow of a doubt and be secure and believe finally that it's true and it's not about me, it's about what he's done and move on with confidence knowing he's got you. That's the helmet of salvation. We put that on every day, man. I tell people, I know I'm going to heaven, but it's not because I'm a good guy. I've made, been made secure in Christ. It's all about what he's done for me. Helmet of salvation. It guards our minds. Lastly, he says, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Breastplate, shield, helm, shoes, belt. That's all defensive Try not to get hit stuff. You know what? A, a, a sword is both defensive and offensive. When the enemy comes at you and he's trying to attack you, you can parry his blow. Now, I'm not believing that. When he came against Jesus in an all-out assault in Matthew chapter 4 and tried to get Jesus to be tempted into sin, and every single time Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written. I defeat that lie, I defeat that lie, I defeat that lie with the truth of the word of the living God. What is he going to do? He's going to come at you and say, believe this lie, believe this lie, believe this lie. And every single time we just go, nope, nope, nope. It's not true. Because I know the truth. I know who I am in Christ. I know what God's done for me. I know he's the living, loving God. And I know these things. And you defeat him with those truths. In fact, it says this, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What? You've got that power in you if you know Christ. You've got that power in you if you know Christ. You have the power to demolish the strongholds in your life and the people around us as we live by the truth of God and we take that sword and we go on the offensive against our enemy. You want to get Satan on the run? Quote scripture. Read scripture. If you can't think of any, call on the name of Jesus. He hates that too. You want to get the enemy on the run in your life? Start singing his praise out loud. Uh, take these songs and play YouTube. And you, in the moment of attack, you go to him and you start singing his name and his praise. If you're in the car, you sing like a wild person. And the people around you will think you're crazy. The trick is don't look. Just don't look over. Just keep right here. You're good. You get the enemy. It's the sword of the Spirit. When the Spirit of God and the Word of God come together, it is an empower, it's a, such a powerful force. The enemy has no defense, and he must flee. Every power, every principality, every spiritual force of evil runs at the name of Jesus. They run by the word of God. And you hold that sword in your hand and you take it up and you do battle with him every day. It is written, it is written, it is written. His word has the power to melt a hard heart. His word has the power to expose lies. His word has the power to reconcile enemies. His word has the power to bind demons. The, the word of the living God empowers God's people 
every single day. The enemy cowers at the name and the authority of Jesus. So we fight with the word of God. You ever seen a fireman's gear? Like all the stuff they put on. They got boots. They got a big suit they put on. It's like an adult onesie. It's awesome. They got a helmet. They got an air mask. We got a bunch of firefighters in our church. And when they get all that gear on, man, it's impressive. It's like 40 pounds or more worth of gear. Let me tell you something. They wouldn't think about running into a fire without all their gear on because they're exposed and they're vulnerable and they'll do nobody else any good. Let me ask you something. Why do we go through this dangerous life with enemies swirling around us, enemies unseen, forces we don't even fully comprehend? Why would we go through our day, any day, without the armor of God equipped and placed firmly in our lives? It's too dangerous to do. My challenge is that you and I would be people that put on the armor of God. Every single day. And so what I want to do is hopefully we'll start a habit today. We're going to pray together and I'm going to lead you through a prayer where we ask God for this armor, that we put this stuff on and ask God to do these things on our behalf and that we'll continue them from this day forward. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you that you don't leave your people exposed. That yes, there's an enemy and he's real and he's powerful, but he doesn't stand a chance against your people who are equipped with your armor. And so God, I pray this is a turning point for us, for me, God, that I wouldn't leave my house without your armor firmly firmly placed in my life, God. That none of us would, would dare to think we got this day, we've got this situation, we've got this season apart from the power of God. God, I pray that we'll be strong in your power and your mind. And so, Father, we're going to ask right now. We're going to ask right now that you give us the belt of truth. God, that we'll not listen to the lies of the enemy, we'll not listen to the lies of our culture, but God, that our heart would be drawn and we would only think about true things. And God, expose every single lie that we're believing, I pray. And God, help me to live by your truth and think about your truth and speak your truth. And Lord, we want to put on this breastplate of righteousness. Our, oh, we're prone to wander. Our heart leaves you, God. And so we need this, God. We need your righteousness in our heart. Make the desires of our heart your heart. Pray that right now. God, make my desires your desires. Make me long for the things of God and not for the things of this world. And God, we ask for the gospel of peace. God, the foundation of our life would be what you've done for us. And God, right now, we go back to you and we thank you for what you've done. If we're in Christ, we thank you for all that you've done through your son, Jesus, on our behalf. You give him thanks and praise right now. And God, when the enemy comes, we ask for faith to trust you. God, give us the ability to trust you when it's hard. Give us the ability to trust you when our emotions and our circumstances are leading us in a different direction. And we say, no, you are good and you're trustworthy. We ask for your faith in our hearts. God, we pray for the helmet of salvation. 
God, I pray you remove doubt and fear from our mind now that if we belong to Jesus Christ, it is a permanent, permanent relationship that can never be taken. Set us free by that truth. Help us to go back to that truth each day. We believe it today. And God, we take up your spirit, your sword. God, let us be people that, that live by your word and, and defend ourselves with your truth. And that we take all that we know about you and we want to share it with others around us because they are desperate to know you. God, put on this armor. Cover us. Protect us. Use us. And Lord, I know that if you're, there's folks in this room, likely so, that they're not warriors in your army because they've never said yes to a relationship with God through your son, Jesus Christ. And so they are, they're refugees and there's, they're victims and they've seen the evil of this world and they're wondering where you're at. Can I tell you, if that's you, that the living God is here and he's living and he's active and he wants to have a presence in your life and he's asking you to let him in. If you want to open your heart up to Jesus this morning, I want you to, no one looking around, you just raise your hand and say, I'm ready to say yes to Christ. I want him in my life today. I want to start a relationship that puts me on God's side and equips me for the road ahead. Anyone in this room today? Father, I thank you for your warriors seated here. God, I thank you for the army you've assembled. This is not a ragtag group of people. This is your army. And the truth is, is the battle is not found in the sanctuary. The battle is found on the streets out there. And I pray, God, that as we sit here, we'll be equipping ourselves for the battle out there. And God, that you will embolden us to stand firm in the faith, to stand firm in the truth, and to put on your armor, God, that we might see you bring um, um, life and victory not only to us, God, but to the world around us. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.